Hey guys, welcome to the Filming with Josh podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Milligan, and this is episode number 70, What I've Been Up To Lately. This is the Filming with Josh podcast, brought to you by Rustic River Media. Welcome to the videographer's home for tips, tricks, and how to make flicks. Welcome back to another episode of the Filming with Josh podcast. If you are new to the podcast, Filming with Josh is your home for tips, tricks, and how to make flicks. On this podcast, we talk about all things video, whether it's contracts, whether it's how to price your work, um, equipment, conversations about storyboarding, editing, you name it. We chat about it on this podcast. We also have a great Facebook group called Filming with Josh that you should go join. So go to Facebook, go to your search bar and type in Filming with Josh and ask to join the group today and I'll be sure to approve your request as soon as I see it. The Filming with Josh Facebook group is a great place to come and chat about all things video. It has been a little while since I've done a podcast, so I thought that today's podcast could literally be about what I've been up to lately. Um, This podcast is going to kind of be completely off the cuff. I've just been wanting to do a podcast, and so I just sat down and decided I'm just going to do one. Uh, So there's no game plan going into this. I'm just going to chat about kind of what I've been up to, where I've been, projects I'm working on, equipment that I've uh, picked up, equipment that I've sold. And just kind of chat about things that are going on. So if you are interested, listen in and let's get this conversation started. So I think the last episode I did, and I have it right in front of me, was the worst client I ever had. And that was back in October, uh, the end of October. So um, a little over a month ago. It's Like I said, it's been a while. <laughs> um, but there's a, a several reasons for that. And part of it is, is I went to um, SFA, my former college, to shoot a project for them. It's a recruitment video for the College of Business. It's actually the second time I've done this project. Back in 2014, I did a recruitment video for the College of Business, and I was still a student at that time. It was my senior year, and I had started my business, and the university hired me at that time. Um, hired my business as a vendor um, to come in and do a commercial project, a recruitment video about the College of Business. And it was my biggest kind of commercially uh, project that I had had up to that point. And I was really fortunate that my university took a chance on me and gave me that contract and and allowed me to do that project, even though I was still a student at the time. Um, But that video has been done, gosh, I think I started it in 2013, finished it in 14, so it's been done for over eight years, going on nine years now. So it's a little dated, uh, needless to say, and uh, things at the university have changed. They've got new buildings and new programs and things like that, so they uh, contacted me and hired me to come back and do an updated video, do a whole new one. So I wrote a, a really cool script and worked with the university to get the script I wrote approved and uh, wrote out not just the the voiceover, but also basically a shot-for-shot list of what I wanted for uh, each and every scene of the video. Um, Got all that approved, and then got all the permits I needed, and then went up and shot that project. Um, And then not long after that, I headed out to West Texas. I've been doing a project for Greystone Castle. I started it back in the spring, early summer time period uh, where I spent about seven days at Greystone Castle and I went back um, in uh, November 
to do the second half of this project, spend another seven days there. And it is a photo video project for a hunting outfit called Greystone Castle. Um, they offer more than just hunting. They have a legit castle that sits on a hill. It's beautiful. Um, and it's on about, I think it's around four or 5,000, 6,000 acres, somewhere around there. Um, and they have uh, sport fishing that they offer. They teach Orvis. Uh, they have like Orvis endorsed fly fishing classes. They are an Orvis endorsed um, upland bird hunting lodge or wing shooting lodge. They're actually the current Orvis lodge of the year. Um, and they offer that. So in addition to fishing, you can uh, book upland bird hunts, um, whether they are European hunts or whether they are field driven hunts. Um, they also offer whitetail hunting and exotic hunting, and they have a seriously great sporting clays course there on site where they host a lot of sporting clays tournaments where people can go and um, go shoot sporting clays for the day if they want. Um, and that is open to the public. So it's a really cool place. It's got a lot going on, and um, I've been working on a, that project for them. Like I said, I started it back in the spring and then went back in the fall. Um, so I was there this past November wrapping up the filming and photography for it because it's a video slash photo contract uh, where we are doing uh, a brand video about the whole place and all the things they offer that's going to be voiceover driven. And then we're doing five videos, one about sporting clays, one about bass fishing, one about um, whitetail hunting, one about the bird hunts, and then one about exotic hunts. So it's a six video contract plus photography of everything I just mentioned, in addition to um, landscapes, aerials, the lodging and accommodations, etc. So pretty big undertaking, a lot of filming, a lot of photography, and a lot of post-production. Um, but it's been a really fun project, and we are now in post-production um, trying to wrap that up before Christmas to get all of those videos knocked out. Some of them were complete from the spring already, but we are finishing all the re remaining ones as well as the photo editing. So I have been trying to get that done. Um, I've also been working on projects for my home building client. I have a really great home building client I've been doing work for for about four years now. Um, they are a top 10 home builder in the U.S. and I go out, they have an in-house uh, video team and they just contract me to cover the San Antonio to Austin area. Basically, I go shoot a lot of video of their communities and employees and amenities in the communities and construction that's happening, things like that. And then they make marketing content out of it, both internal and external. So I've, I've been working with them for a long time and they've had me on uh, uh, several locations lately filming a bunch of stuff. So that's been fun. Um, what else have I been working on? I uh, did photography for a really cool event here in my town called Wurstfest. It's a German festival. I went um, three half, spent three half days shooting photography of Wurstfest. It's like a week long or a little over a week long, basically, basically party, <laughs> honestly. No, but I went and shot a lot of photography. I think in the three half days, I shot like 4,400 photos or just under 4,400 photos. Um, got some really cool stuff, dancing, people buying drinks, people uh, getting all the different types of food that are brought in. Because people come from all over the world to come to this festival. Um, people dressed up, people um, listening to music, bands playing, that kind of thing. It was really, really fun. Um, I've been doing some live streaming events for a couple different clients. Um, 
knocking those out. Live streams are always fun because there's usually not any post-production required. Although one of the live streams I did recently, we did take the stream and cut it up into um, like sections of video. My editor did for me to create like individual videos out of the stream that uh, my client could post online. Um, So that was cool Um, and just did provide us some some extra work, which is great. Um, I've been uh, volunteering at my church, Oakwood, here in New Braunfels. They have a huge church. It's like 6,000 members, and that's actual members. That doesn't include everybody who goes that's not an official member. I'm not technically a member, and I go, so I know I'm not counted in that number. (laughs) But it's a big church with three services, and they have a huge live streaming crew, and I've been helping out with live streams uh, on, on some Sundays and then um, doing some volunteer video work. They have an in-house videographer um, who handles all their um, videos that you'll see like on Sunday or on their website, stuff like that. But he left his position, so they're currently in the middle of looking for someone else. So I've been volunteering and helping shoot and edit content for them in the meantime until they get that new person hired. Um, For me, it's a great way to kind of give back. I've always wanted to do videos for churches. In the last few years, I've gotten the opportunity to do that just because I'm a Christian and it seems like a great way to give back to God. And so that's been a lot of fun. I just got through shooting the Christmas video for them since Christmas falls on a Sunday this year. We, uh, or not we, (laughs) they decided to let their employees, they have about 100 employees, they decided to let them off since Christmas is on Sunday, uh, let them off that day rather than have church that day. But they still wanted to have a Christmas service on Christmas Day um, in addition to their Christmas Eve services. So for the Christmas Day one, we decided to film it ahead of time and then release it on Christmas morning. So I filmed like a welcome message and then I filmed the, the pastor giving his like sermon, and then I also filmed um, three different worship songs. Actually, it was five worship songs, but they meshed two of them together to make one uh, song um, and did that twice, so it ended up being three songs. It was really cool. Um, that was a really fun project. I Even though I was like volunteering to help out, I pulled out all the stops, man. I brought a lot of my lights. I didn't bring all my lights, but I brought a lot of them. Brought a couple 600Ds, a couple 60Xs, my uh, RGBWW light tubes, um, um, all kinds of modifiers and stuff, and just really went all out on the lighting, both for the worship and for all the speaking stuff. And I feel feel like it turned out really, really well. Um, pretty pumped to get that done. My editor's cutting that together for me right now. Just handed that off to him today, actually. Um, And then we've been working on a bloopers reel for one of my favorite clients, my plastic surgeon clients. You probably see me posting about them online sometimes or a lot of times because I do a lot of work for them. Um, But since 2018, we've done about 27 hours and 33 minutes worth of uh, interviews. So what I did is I went through all 27 and a half hours worth of footage and pulled about an hour and five minutes worth of bloopers out. And my editor has been cutting that into a five minute blooper reel. And it is absolutely hysterical. I probably won't be able to put it online just because they are doctors and it gets crazy. (laughs) The language is crazy. And uh, we start doing some 
questionable things to get through the interviews. <laughs> uh, but the bloopers reel is incredible. My editor just knocked it out of the park for me. He took that that hour and five minutes worth of footage and put together this most awesome five-minute blooper reel ever. If you are a friend of mine and you want to see it, again, I'm not putting it out there out there putting this out there for the public, but if you know me and I trust you, send me a PM and I'll let you see it because it is absolutely hysterical. But fair warning, there is a lot of foul language. <laughs> but I am showing that we're surprising um, the plastic surgeon client and all of her um, staff because a lot of her staff, I've filmed them over the years doing interviews with them. So a lot of them are in this blooper reel and most of them probably don't even remember half the stuff they said or anything because we've been doing this for years. Uh, but we're going to be presenting it to everybody at a Christmas party tomorrow night and that is going to be a lot of fun. So I, my, my wife and I are invited to the party and we're going to show up with a laptop and we're going to be like, hey guys, we got a little surprise for y'all and we're going to plug it in and play it. And I can promise you, man, people are going to die. They're just absolutely going to die. And I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. It's why you never delete anything. I mean, there's a million reasons why you don't delete anything. I could have a whole podcast just on that. <laughs> but, but this is like a great example of of one of many, many reasons why you don't ever delete content. Cause you can go back and create cool stuff like this. Sorry, phone's ringing here. Not gonna answer that. It's probably about more work and I'm about, uh, I have about as much work as I can handle right now. <laughs> um, so what else have I been up to project wise? I mean, there's been other projects I've knocked out. Um, I, I've helped the church out with some other stuff and I've been working on, um, gosh, been working on all kinds of different projects for my um, uh, engineering firm client. We did a Christmas video for them or holiday video as they call it. We did one last year as well. This one was full of a ton of graphics. Uh, we sent this elf uh, all across, Pippa the Elf, we sent it all across the United States to all these different offices. And people. we had people take cell phone pictures with the elf. <laughs> and then my editor and I, we cut together, we cut together a map that shows Pippa the Elf like a graphics map of it showing it traveling all across the U.S. and visiting all the different offices for this uh, company. <laughs> it was so much fun. And uh, my client, Sam, they wrote, Sam stands for Surveying and Mapping, they wrote uh, a really great Christmas song. They took 12 Days of Christmas and rewrote it um, for Pippa the Elf traveling to see all these people and all the things it did. And so we took, we we filmed the singing of, of this Christmas song or holiday song, whatever you want to call it, and we put it with some music and uh, and a map and showing Pippa the Elf traveling all across the U.S. and uh, showing pictures from all the different places that Pippa visited. It was a lot of fun. Really cool Christmas video. Uh, got that sent out. So just been working on all kinds of stuff like that. And all of this stuff that I'm talking about has happened since my last podcast just over a month ago. So you can see like it has been really crazy. And I have been absolutely swamped. But I wouldn't change it for anything, man. Uh, I think it's just been... An incredible year has been a really, really, really solid year for business. Um, it's just been like, man, ever since COVID happened, it's just been rocking and rolling. And I keep waiting for the ship to, to start to sink a little bit because I keep thinking at some point, you know, with everything that's going on in the world and, and all the stuff that's happening with inflation and all, I keep thinking at some point people are going to start cutting back on video, but it's not today, so I'm just going to keep going with it while the while the going's going. I don't even think that's a phrase, but we're going to pretend it is. Um, anyway, so that's that's been um, kind of what I've been up to project-wise. Um, I guess I'll go into a little bit of some gear changes I've made. Uh, I did buy 
a second FX6 about a couple months ago, um, barely used it and ended up selling it. Sounds crazy because I know how hard it is to find an FX6 and I happen to find a second one. Uh, but I had some family things come up that I'll share on my podcast, not today, but maybe after the first of the year, um, that made me want to put some extra cash in the bank, just some family, some family life changes. So I, um, decided, you know what, I don't have to have two FX6s. It was a luxury. It was great. Um, but with some of the things that are going on in uh, my personal life, I thought, you know, this is not something I have to have. I'm going to sell it and I'm going to put the cash in the bank uh, just to hang on to for now. So I did do that. Um, so I'm back down to one FX6 and two Sony A1s, um, but totally fine with that. I usually only have three cameras anyways. I just picked up the second FX6 um, really to have as a backup camera and to use for some B-cam stuff, but um, I decided that it just wasn't necessary. Um, I did cage one of my A1s, so I have not ran a cage in years. Before I got my first FS7 back in 2016, yeah, spring of 2016, I ran mirrorless cameras in cages, because that's just kind of what you did, you know, to be able to have audio and monitors and handles and all that. But after I got my FS7, I ran all my audio into the FS7, and you know it was my A cam, so I kind of quit running cages on my mirrorless cameras. In fact, since 2016, I think I've only ran a caged camera one time that I can remember, and that was in 2020, where I was filming an odd dad hunt for a TV show. It was during COVID, and I don't really do a whole lot of outdoor TV stuff these days, but COVID was shutting down a lot of my work at the time. And there was a guy I know that lives not far from me that needed a shooter for an odd ad hunt in West Texas. So I was like, ah, you know, screw it. I'll go on and, and, and film that hunt for him for a show just because work was kind of slow at the time. Cause again, everybody was shutting down my work here during COVID. And, uh, anyway, so I went and, and filmed that. But if you know anything about odd ad hunting, it is not something you want to pack a lot of stuff for because you are usually climbing and hiking and crawling and belly crawling and going through all kinds of brush and stuff. So I decided to leave the FS7 at home and go minimal. So I, I did cage a mirrorless camera um, that I had at that time that I don't even own anymore um, and ran that. But I have not, outside of that, I haven't ran a cage in many, many, many years until about a week ago. Um, I have been running my two A1s as B cams to my FX6 for a while now. I love them. You've seen me post about them. They are the most incredible mirrorless cameras I've ever owned. Just world-class stills cameras and just incredible video cameras. Um, I don't have to go on about it. I've already done podcasts about that multiple times. <laughs> but I, I've been running them as B cams and I've been trying to run external monitors on them. Uh, really, I'm, I'm, I'm one of them because I usually I usually run two cameras and then sometimes I'll introduce a third camera if I'm doing like a three camera interview or a multi-cam live stream or if I'm going to have like one camera permanently mounted on a gimbal and then one on sticks and one for handheld, like if I'm doing an event or a doc project and I need to just have different setups ready to go. Um, but most of the time when I'm doing commercial work and stuff, I usually just run two cameras. Um, so as, as a result, I've been putting a monitor on my B cam, my A1, in the hot shoe, and then I've been plugging a, a tentacle sink 
into the side of the monitor, like screwing it into the side of the monitor. And I hated it because all of that's on the hot shoe. You know, it's just a lot of weight to have on a hot shoe. And the hot shoe doesn't have any like locking pins or anything. So it could wiggle loose. And I just haven't liked it. Uh, plus, there's no top handles, no easy way to carry it. So I broke down and finally bought a new cage. I haven't, like I said, haven't had one in years, but I bought a half cage because I love mirrorless cameras without cages when I'm shooting photography. I don't like I don't like having them all caged up when I'm shooting photography. And if you were to ask me, you know, what my elevator speech is, I would tell you on a video production company, I don't market photography all that much, but I, the reality is, is in today's world, photography is part of the job sometimes. Um, there are a lot of contracts I've gotten only because I also agreed to do photography for the business. If I didn't agree to do both, I wouldn't have got the contract. So the reality is photography is a part of the world we live in, and a lot of people are looking to hire companies that can handle both things. So when I do photography, I don't like to have my cameras all caged up, you know, it just feels weird. So I thought, what's a good compromise that can allow me to have a cage on one of my A1s, but still not take away from the experience of using a lightweight camera when shooting photography? And I decided, well, what about a half gauge? And Small Rig, out of all the companies out there, Small Rig makes the best half cage for the A1. And it's actually really, really well designed. And so I did buy a half cage for the A1. I think it's the same one for the A7S III. It can be used for either one. And I actually really like that thing, man. It is really lightweight and doesn't take up hardly any space. And on the right side where your hand goes on the grip, there's no cage there since it's a half cage. So when you're shooting photography, you barely notice that there's even a cage on the camera. But when you need to add a monitor and a top handle and a tentacle sync for time code or maybe some audio sources like a like a Rode NTG video, a Rode video mic NTG for NAT sound, or maybe you want to pop a wireless mic on there or something like that, um, you have the cage, right? So it's an incredible setup. So I got it with a, a really nice handle, and um, the handle has airy locking pin with a, um, I bought a uh, monitor swivel that has an airy locking pin setup so it doesn't um, accidentally come loose on you. And that is mounted to the front of the handle. So I've got a monitor there. And then I was able to put my tentacle sync on there. And I've been running that as my B cam with a tentacle sync for time code and uh, a monitor in front of the handle and a handle there just for grabbing. And dude, what an incredible setup for B cam work. Just an amazing setup. And then if I want to go shoot photography or if I want to put my camera on a gimbal, all I have to do is just take the handle off and the monitor comes off with it and done. <laughs> you've got your small package now. Um, so really, really great. And and you don't have to go to your kit to pull out any tools to take the handle off or anything. There's an Allen wrench that comes inside of the handle. So you pop it out of the handle so it's always on the handle and you just loosen the the handle and pop it off. I could literally, I timed it. I could have the handle off in five seconds and I could have it back on in five seconds. So it's pretty incredible to build up or break down your system. And it's really small. Now, I'm not putting, I'm not one of those guys who's putting V-lock batteries and stuff like that on my mirrorless camera. I think that's a bit ridiculous. Like, buy a video camera if you want that. But um, for having like a really small, lightweight package, it's going to be perfect. So for B-cam work, that's my new setup right now um, for my B-cam for my a, uh, FX6. And it also... Um, it also, sorry, a friend of mine just messaged me. I told him, is my friend Kyle Bamberger. I joked with him today that I bought an FX9, which I definitely did not buy an FX9, but he just 
<laughs> he just messaged me. He's like, dude, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, as a B cam and I'm FX6, this is going to be my new setup. And then also for times where I'm covering like events and stuff, and maybe I want to kind of blend into the crowd and run something a little smaller so you don't look like this big camera operator necessarily, um, I'm going to run it for then as well. Um, so I'm super pumped about that. Like I said, love the half cage, just a really, really, really cool design. So if you haven't checked out small rigs cages, man, they've been crushing it lately. I used to think of small rig as kind of a, a cheaper brand, but man, over the last couple years, they've really started churning out some quality products. And I, I never really was a small rig guy, but they're kind of starting to win me over a little bit. Speaking of monitors, um, I bought a couple new monitors too. I um, have sold some of my old small HDs. I'm a big small HD fan. But small HD recently, a couple months ago, came out with their new Smart 5 series monitors. I like 5-inch monitors for on-camera monitors. Personally, I know some guys run 7-inch seven seven monitors. That's personally too big for my taste uh, for an on-camera monitor. I do have a 7-inch monitor, but I use it for live stream like viewing my live stream, but that's pretty much it. But for on-camera monitors, I like five-inch monitors, and Small HD finally came out with a new Pro Series of five-inch monitors. They did come out with an Action 5 earlier in the year, but that's a cheap, low-end monitor. That's, that's Small HD's consumer product. The Smart 5 Series is their Pro products. That includes the ND5, the Cine 5, and the Ultra 5. <clears throat> and so I bought an ND5 and a Cine 5. I put the Cine 5 on my FX6 and the ND5 on my uh, uh, caged A1, and I freaking love them. They are incredible monitors, just absolutely incredible. And I know I've had some people recently ask me why I run small HD monitors, because they're very expensive. Um, I think my Cine 5 costs like $1,700 and I think the ND5 is like 14 or 13 and a half, somewhere around there. And so they're expensive. And you could definitely buy much, much, much cheaper monitors. So I've been getting asked this question lately, why do I run small HD monitors when you can have a monitor that's much cheaper? And I think really, first off, the like the easiest thing I can say is if you've ever ran a small HD monitor, you would understand um, because there's really nothing out there like them. They are world-class monitors. There's a reason why you'll see a lot of them on really big productions. They are incredible. They are incredibly color accurate. They can be calibrated very easily. They have extremely detailed uh, screens. Their newer monitors are high bright. I think my Cine 5 is 2,000 nits. My ND5 is 1,000 nits. Now, there are much cheaper monitors out there that claim to have similar nit ratings. However, a lot of those get washed out when you crank the brightness up. Small HD does not. There's no, there's no sense in having a 2,000 nit monitor if it washes out the screen when you turn up the brightness. That kind of ruins the whole point of having a good monitor. A small HD doesn't do that. Um, and then the biggest thing about the small HD monitors, more than anything, is the tools and the software. The OS 5 operating system that they run is incredible. It's very intuitive. It's extremely customizable, hands down the most customizable operating system for a monitor on the market. And the tools that they come with are not only incredibly accurate, but 
there's so many different tools, whether it's being able to overlay the different aspect ratios, like maybe you're wanting to shoot a video for TikTok and you want to shoot, keep your camera horizontal, but you know you're going to crop for um, a uh, 9 by 16 ratio later on in post. So you can set that aspect ratio or a 4 by 5 if you want. Um, they've got EL Zone, which is like an improved version of false color. Um, I love EL Zone. I use it all the time. There's not very many monitors out there that can run EL Zone. Um, the LUTs on the monitors are very accurate when you import them, input them. Um, and just the whole operating system in general is just extremely easy. I bought an, an Atomus product once and tried it out, and I couldn't get rid of it fast enough. Not only was it not color accurate, I mean, seriously, if you looked at it compared to my other monitors and my FX6 screen, it was laughable how bad the color was. But beyond that, the Atomus monitor I tried had horrible tools. And the tools would a lot of times, even if you change the opacity on them and stuff, they would just block too much of the screen. And it's just nowhere near as customizable or as uh, intuitive to use as the small HD monitors. So I'm a huge small HD fan. And then the monitors I bought from small HD have loads of inputs and outputs, like two or three SDI inputs and outputs, a couple of full-size HDMIs. They can, uh, my Cine 5 can be ran on uh, DTAP to two-pin Limo, so I, I power the monitor from my FX6 batteries. And I'm not using VLOX, I'm using BPU batteries uh, you know, regular FX6 batteries by Hawkwoods, and they're powering the monitor via two-pin Limo. Low power draw, that's another thing. A lot of monitors have very heavy power draws. These don't. Batteries last for forever on these monitors. That's why I can run it, run my Cine 5 off the FX6 batteries, and not really drain the batteries on the FX6 any. Um, and then my, um, my Favorite thing about them too, or not my favorite thing, but one of my favorite things is just knowing that every time I step out in the field, these monitors are going to work. They're bulletproof. They're made out of milled aluminum. They're strong. They're tough. They're durable. They're built to last. So I'm a huge small HD fan. There's a reason you see them on really big projects uh, all over the world. And I love, love, love the Cine 5 and ND5. I did not buy the Ultra because it's a little bigger than what I wanted for my cameras because um, it's got a bunch of big buttons on the side. Uh, but the Cine 5 has a joystick, um, plus it's touchscreen. The ND5's touchscreen only. That's good enough for me. Um, anyway, I, I suggest checking them out if you are serious about monitors and want to get an incredible monitor. Small HD is the place to look. Just don't get their action series, because that's their low-end series. They're not the most color accurate monitors and honestly they they don't even run the same operating system as their actual legit pro monitors i'm kind of surprised they even came out with a consumer monitor because they don't usually do stuff like that so don't buy the action but if you're interested in a really good monitor uh, look at um look at the smart 7 or smart 5 series by small hd Man, just incredible um other things that i've done gear wise i'm trying to think not really a whole lot honestly I switched over my map boxes. I recently picked up some bright tangerine um, map boxes and a bunch of new filters to go with them. I picked up some Nisi screw-on uh, VNDs. I hate VNDs. Y'all have heard me talk about my distaste for VNDs, but Nisi has the best, most color-accurate variable ND I've ever tried in my life by far at any price point. I've tried some extremely expensive VNDs, um, 
even Matbox VNDs, and none of them are as color accurate as the Nisi's, and the Nisi's have very little cross-polarization. Um, I can't even, I honestly have never even seen it have cross-polarization issues. Um, very nice lens flares, just incredible, incredible VNDs. Um, so as, as much as I don't like VNDs, I finally did find some I can use on my mirrorless cameras when I don't want to pull out the matte boxes um, and the straight filters. So that's uh, something else I picked up recently. Um, but honestly, that's it. I've actually been selling more stuff than I've been buying. I, I told you I sold the FX6 and I've sold uh, some monitors and I've sold, man, I've just sold a whole bunch of stuff recently. Um, I've got some more stuff I'm getting ready to sell, some uh, older lights of mine. Um, I'm getting ready to sell some uh, old road mics that I haven't touched in years. Just stuff like that. So if you need anything, shoot me a PM. We'll see what I got. <laughs> I'm just trying to clear out space in my office and um, just put some cash in the bank for stuff that I just don't really need anymore. Um, I kind of like that. I'm, I'm all about it. So outside of gear stuff, I guess I can switch gears and talk about kind of just some other stuff that's been going on uh, in the business in terms of just some uh, epiphanies I've had, I guess, different things I'm doing or that I'm uh, really noticing in my, in my work. One of them has really been my lighting. I, when I was going through this blooper reel for my plastic surgeon client, one thing that really stuck out to me was how drastic of a change there has been in my lighting since 2018. When I go back to 2018, going on almost five years ago now, because I think I started working for them at the beginning of 2018, so it's been almost five years, and I look at the footage in the blooper reel, because we went all the way back to 2018 for this blooper reel, and when I was looking at these interviews and how I lit them in 2018 versus how I'm lighting them here at the end of 2022, what a remarkable difference. Part of it is the equipment. I've bought an incredible amount of lights over the past couple of years. I've invested a ton of money into Aperture 600Ds and 300D2s and Novas and 60Xs and um, a bunch of practicals like uh, the SGC tube lights, which I'm not big on putting tube lights in my shot. I know that people do that. I think that's a fad, but I like to use tube lights um, just to cast soft light in certain areas. Um, they're just handy to have. Like I stuck them under a drum set the other day. You can't see the lights themselves, but they cast a nice underglow under the drum set. Um, and I've bought like Aperture MCs and B7Cs, which are practicals like light bulbs. For instance, the B7Cs are little light bulbs that you can control the color on. Um, so all kinds of Aperture lights and tons of modifiers and things to modify them. And so part of it is the equipment, but part of it's just my knowledge, right? Since 2018, my knowledge on lighting has grown dramatically. Um, I've been lighting my work for, gosh, eight or nine years now. Um, maybe 10 years now, almost probably about 10 years. Uh, yeah. I think I first bought my first lighting kit in 2012. Um, but in 10 years, obviously I'm going to learn a lot about lighting is lighting. You can make a whole career out of doing nothing but lighting. And I have just really made it a goal the past two or three years to really, really, really drastically improve my, the quality of the lighting in my videos. And when I look at my, my work today compared to like these 
2018 blooper reel, you know, blooper pieces I'm cutting um, this week. It, what a dramatic difference. I mean, it's a huge difference. And my, my, my work back then, I'm not trying to say it was like bad, but it just doesn't have anywhere near the softness or the color or just the overall beauty that my work does today. And not all my work has that. When I shoot, like I shot an event the other day, there was no lighting that. Dude, it was literally just a run and gun, capture what you can event. You know what I mean? So it's not like all my work I can have beautiful lighting in. But for commercial work or interviews or like this Christmas video where we put people on stage and we threw lights all over the place. I, I <coughs> Sorry, I had the flu last week, so I'm still getting over the cough. <laughs> it was terrible. Worst flu I've ever had. Um, anyway, I it's not that like, it's not that I can light everything, but when I can, I, I just approach it a lot different now than I used to. And that's like when I look at the the improvements today in my videos, the the projects where I do use get to use lighting, you, you'll really, really, really see a difference in qual- quality between what I'm doing now and what I was doing four or five years ago. And it all really comes down to lighting more than anything else. I mean, when I'm looking at this older footage that I was cutting, uh, you know, some of it, most of it was shot on the FS7. And you can see a difference in the softness on the FS7 versus how much more detailed and sharp my FX6 is. So cameras and equipment do play a role. My lenses, I've got different lenses now. I think that they're even better. I had really great lenses then, but lens technology's improved in five years. And I just feel like when I, in general, like, yes, the equipment, when I look at it, I can see how the equipment has affected some of it, but like 90% of the difference in quality of my imagery then and my imagery now is lighting. And I just, man, I just love how how much different my product looks today. A great example, if you want to see what I'm talking about, is if you go to the Filming with Josh Facebook group and you look at the, at the Christmas video screenshots I posted uh, yesterday, I mean, I feel like the lighting in that was just absolutely spot on, especially when you look at... Um, the interview screen grabs of the uh there's one of a girl in a white like sweater and then one of the pastor um an older gentleman with gray hair and on both man the lighting on both of those just out of this planet um the stage shots from the singing for the band was really great as well i do think i had my 60x's turned up a little bright um, brighter than I should have, especially on stage right, shining on the lead singer. I think that, or, or one of the lead singers, I think it was a tad too intense on his backlight. Um, so I, if I could go back, I would have turned those down a little bit. But I'm nitpicking, right? Because overall, like, man, the lighting is just fantastic. And again, some of that's equipment, some of it's my lighting gear, but a lot of it is just my overall knowledge and just how much of a difference there is between what I know now about lighting versus what I knew just five years ago. Um, and that's the thing, I, one of the things I love about video is you, there's there's never like a stopping point in learning. There's always something you can learn and improve on, always. You'll never be the best at lighting or sound or editing or storyboarding or script writing or whatever. Um, so you can always, always improve. James Cameron himself can improve on his work and he and I'm sure he knows that. And so it's just a really cool 
it's a really cool field to be in because you can always get better and you can always find ways to get better. And sometimes gear can help you get better. I mean, the lighting gear I have now does help me have better lighting. Absolutely. Um, but the technique is the biggest thing because you could buy the best lights in the world, but if you don't know how to use them or where to position them or how to make them soft, then it doesn't really matter, right? And so for me, I, I, I just, I love that about our field, about how we can look at our work and always dissect it and always improve it. And I knew, I knew my lighting has been getting better and better and better every year, but looking at the Christmas video screen grabs I posted yesterday versus like bloopers I was working on yesterday that went back to 2018, that it really hit me in the face looking at that. So that's like a mini epiphany I had. It's like, wow, man, <laughs> my uh, my lighting has really changed. Um, some other things I've been working on is I've uh, been really working hard on this, this year on improving my turnaround times, getting projects turned out way before the due, the due date or the deadline. Um, my editors definitely helped me with that help me cut my times down drastically. Um, a lot of times I color the projects just because I like doing that. Um, but he can get it. He can get the edits, you know, 90% of the way there, send it to me and then I can finish them. And we're, we've been tackling projects a lot faster and turning them out a lot faster this year. So I think that's really helped. It's made my clients feel like I'm very responsive and they can count on me to get things done quickly. And that has helped me get a lot of rebooks um, and I'm not saying that they wouldn't have booked me again anyway, but it's definitely more tempting to book someone when they can spit a project out to you in a really short time frame. And the thing is, is we're not cutting any corners to do it. We're just working collaboratively and are really smoothing out our system of how we work together to get stuff done faster. We're just being more efficient is what it boils down to. Um, so that's something that I've been I've been thinking about this year. Some other things I've been thinking about is just um, really how I approach my um, how I approach my scripts. I've always prided myself in my script writing um, because I feel like I feel like that's something we do pretty well. Um, my mom and I actually tag team a lot of scripts. She's an excellent script writer, um, and both of us are naturally just writers in general. Um, she actually teaches like college business and, and college business English classes. Um, and then me, I've always been a writer. I've, I mean, I, I'm dating back to high school where I won like na a national essay contest. So I, I love writing. She likes writing. We collaborate together and we write a lot of scripts and it's great. Um, but this year I've noticed how I've been able to approach my scripts a little differently because I've been watching back a lot of my previous videos and nitpicking and poking holes in my storyboarding and then finding ways to improve on that this year. And I, th I think it's, I think it's made some really great improvements. Like the college video we're doing for SFA that we're finishing up right now. I feel like the, uh, the voiceover script for that was really, really, really good. And, um, how I got there was just by taking all these little nitpicking, like these little things I've I've looked at, these videos I've looked at that I've done and where I've nitpicked them and said, you know, I should have done this here, I should have done that there. And I used all that information to help me improve how I'm writing my scripts now, including the SFA script. And I feel like I've seen a, a really good improvement in, uh, in my script writing this year. And I think, again, it comes down to just being willing to analyze your own work 
and being willing to tear it apart. Um, I don't look at my work and try to like shred it and beat myself up necessarily, but I do like to look at my work and say, man, what could I have, what could I have done differently here? Kind of like uh, the Christmas video I was just talking about. You know, I, I think that the lighting turned out great, but I will tell you if I could redo it, I would have turned the intensity down on my spotlights, my 60Xs, because uh, I think that they were backlighting a little harsher than they should have been. And so like being able to look at your work and analyze that and make a note of that, I think is really important because it helps you to remember that next time. So the next time I use those 60Xs, I'll, I'll remember, hey, make sure that they're not hitting the backlight just a little too harsh. And so these are things just like that you learn as you go, but you have to be willing to critique yourself um, and you can't be blind. You can't be blind to your work. You have to you have to be open and honest with where you are in your work in order to be able to to be able to to self analyze and self critique yourself. Um, so that's something I've really been working on this year, um, not only with like storyboarding, but with everything in my business, and uh, it's really helped me out a lot. Um, something else I've been working on a lot this year is letting go of perfection, and that's been a really hard thing for me. Um, because I'm a, I'm a perfectionist by trade. Like my instinct is to be a perfectionist. I've been a perfectionist ever since I was a little kid. Um, but perfection is the enemy of success. And, you know, I, I've always said that I, one of the things that's made our videos really good over the years is how much time we put into them. And like, if you've watched the Greystone Castles sporting clays or fishing video, I posted, I'm filming with Josh you'll see like the sound design, for example, spent so much time on the sound design on those projects, just getting every single thing to have the perfect sound of sound effects. Just the sound design was just awesome in those videos. But there is a point where you can be, there's like a difference between like being detailed because that's that was detail. I was detailed and that helped me make a better product. And it's something that a lot of my competitors won't take the time to do. So there's there that's a good thing. There, but there's a difference between detail and being overly perfection, per, uh, overly perfect. And that is something I've always struggled with, where I'm like nitpicking just too too much. And at some point, you just gotta be like, hey, turn the dang project in, man. And so that's something I've been really trying to work on this year, and that has helped me turn around projects faster. Back to my point earlier. And I think that's been a really good thing I've improved on this year. So these are just things like that I've been thinking about lately that have been on my mind, um, things that I've been trying to improve on or things I've noticed that I have improved on. Um, next year, I have other things that I want to improve on, um, including my marketing. I do hardly any marketing. I get a lot of work. God has blessed me with a ton of business, but I do basically no marketing. And it's worked out so far, but... I know I could have more work and have an even more successful business if I did do some freaking marketing. So like next year, that's like one thing I really want to work on. Uh, I'm, I'm a good networker. I'm great at that, but I need to do some marketing, Josh. Like, come on. So there are things next year that I, I definitely really want to work on. Um, but that um, that's kind of where I'm at today. Those are things that have been on my mind. And uh kind of things I've been up to recently, projects I've been working on, equipment that I've uh, picked up, and kind of just things I've been working on improving in my business. What are you working on in your business? 
What are you working on to improve your projects? What is What are new pieces of equipment that you have purchased? Go to Filming with Josh and let me know. Go and make a post in the Filming with Josh group and let's chat about this podcast and things that you've been up to lately. I look forward to it and I'll see you there. Take care. To learn more about Rustic River Media, visit us online at rusticriver.media. Thanks for listening to the Filming with Josh podcast. Catch every episode by hitting subscribe today.